1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo is here. I'm Bob Wankel. Phillies getting ready to begin a second half in which they will try to inch back into postseason position. And, Anthony, they're going to hit the ground running here against a Padres team that is desperate and also needs to make a move themselves. Uh, two teams that, to some degree, underachieved in the first half. Certainly the Phillies recovered in June and have put themselves in a much better spot at this point in the season than a team in San Diego that everybody was on. Everybody felt like that they were a legitimate contender to win the National League. Kind of a big series, I think, at Citizens Bank Park this week in a four-game set. And I don't know if we're going to learn anything about what this team is or their, their ability to make the postseason th- these next three days and these next four games, but I feel like we're not easing back into this. I feel like we're, we're jumping right back in big time series and let's see what's what here.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 Padres are, are coming in here and this is, this is, you know, this is their Waterloo in a lot of ways. Not, not this particularly just this series, but this stretch of games, um, if they're going to get back, they started to play better right before the, uh, the All Star Break, and so I feel like that they they look at this and say, if we can get back into the playoff race here over the next week or so, week to ten days, then we'll make a push at the at the deadline. If we can't, then we're probably either just going to sit it out or maybe even sell a piece or two. Um, so they're they're going to really push hard. Um, the Phillies have to be able to push back, right? I mean, they have to push as well. Uh, so, you know, they might be in a little bit more comfortable position than the, than the Padres, but the last thing you want to do is, you know, you lose two going into the break, but it's still a great, you know, lead up to the break because of, you know, from June 3rd or June 2nd through the all-star break was awesome for the Phillies. But the last thing you want to do is lose those two, go into a four, four days off and then come out and not play well against the Padres. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe you know they've lost four out of five now, or five at whatever it is, five out of six, and 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 that's not as good of a feeling. So for the Phillies, this is an opportunity, like you used to say, or like you said back when they played the Mets uh, and the Braves and the Mets back to back. This is an opportunity to bury a a team that you thought you were going to be competing with, right? It's a chance to put them away. So do it.
1: And, and I think that that's why I, I look at this series and I say. It's, it is important because we know how competitive this wild card picture is right now at the moment. We've had some teams here that have overachieved, that have made this a more crowded field. I don't think that many of us were expecting a team like the Reds to be involved at this point. I don't really think that certainly you and I expected teams like the Marlins and Giants to be in playoff position right now. Not that Not that we didn't think that the Marlins could possibly be a factor this season. Not that we didn't think that the Giants might be mediocre to just slightly above mediocre and maybe maybe make some noise in terms of the playoff picture but this is sort of a jumbled mess right now and the Padres are one of those teams that's sort of sitting in that next tier down but can quickly get back into it and certainly bridge the gap this weekend and and that's why I want to just get right to it you look at the way that the Phillies are approaching the start of the second half and the way that they've aligned this starting rotation and tonight the Padres come out firing with you Darvish who throughout his career has had a lot of success against the Phillies. I understand that the the Phillies got to him a little bit in the playoffs. Well, they certainly, they beat him in the playoffs last year, but we know that you Darvish is going to be a tough out tonight. They're going Christopher Sanchez and no, no offense to Christopher Sanchez. Who's been really good since he's come back up here, but he is the Phillies fifth starter and there's no question about it. So, you go Darvish, I'm sorry. Yeah, you go Darvish, Sanchez, and then on Saturday, the Phillies go Walker and Suarez at the Padres, and then they finish on Sunday with Wheeler. All this is a way to say that they're not coming with their best four guys in order when they, they more or less had an opportunity to do so to start this second half. What do you make of that? Do you, do you feel that, hey, you know what? They threw a ton of innings last year. They might throw a ton of innings again this year. We want these guys to be fresh in October. We have to try to build in those extra off days for guys like Wheeler and Nola who have been inconsistent, who have been a little bit underwhelming. Or do you look at it and say, like, come on, man, this is a little bit conservative. You have a chance to take the shovel to the back of the Padres' heads. You're going Christopher Sanchez game one?
0: I think it's both. I think that they are absolutely doing it to control the usage in a better way. Um, so that their best pitchers don't peter out at the end of October, um, but I also think that it's a situation where I'm not certain you needed to go eight, eight days off for Aaron Nola. I mean, you you could have still pitched him in this series and given him a full week, right? I mean, I I don't understand why why you have to skip Nola against the Padres or 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 bump. Wheeler back into a doubleheader day, like it just didn't make sense. The only thing I can think of, Bob, and and I haven't mapped it out over the course of the of the schedule to see if maybe they have it set up in such a way that they have Wheeler and and Nola lined up, assuming they don't miss any starts going forward to face more important games, you know, teams down the line. And this was the best way to do it, um, so there's that. Uh, so that's a possibility. I, I, yeah, I mean, look, they didn't even, they didn't. If they really didn't want to, they really didn't even need to use the fifth starter in this series at all. They could have gone all the t- you know the top four guys and just saved Sanchez for the Brewers. But if nothing else, if you wanted to throw Sanchez in this series, you could have thrown him on the double header and then skipped. The fifth start until next Saturday in Cleveland. Like, so there's a lot, there was a lot of different possibilities that they could have done. This is the one that I think is the least expected possibility and starting the series with Sanchez on uh, uh, tonight and against the Padres.
1: So I've spent some time over the All Star break here sort of assessing where are the Phillies at. And I was thinking about this show. I'm like, we're going to talk about the big picture and make some predictions. And, and I guess we can do that. But then I started to dive in and I look at it and I go, you know, they have seven games here to start the second half that are going to have a massive impact on the, the landscape of this playoff picture, uh, you know, come 10 days from now. So uh, yeah. you have the four at the Padres and then you go right to the Brewers. And if the Phillies come out slow here to start the second half, this can, this can get weird because big picture, I think we all stop and say, wow, great job into the all-star break. Marlins series aside, they've put themselves in position. You're playing 43 of your final 73 games at home. You have had the best team ERA since June 1st. You have some really good hitters with a big time track record who have underachieved. You expect that they'll bounce back the Turners and the Harpers of the world. There's a lot to feel good about here, including the fact that they are the defending National League champs and that they've shown as recently as last year that when the lights get bright, they can elevate. So there's a lot of reasons to feel good about this trade deadline. They'll probably add financial capacity point though, is that if you dick around here out of the all-star break, I'm not saying that you're burying yourself. I'm not saying that you're going to make it impossible to, to reach the playoffs. I don't want to oversell this, but you can make it a lot harder on yourself. You can make it a little bit weird here.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's it's weird is a good word, Bob, because you know we we look at we talk a lot, maybe more than anybody uh, that talks about the Phillies. We talk a lot about looking at the schedule, right? We look ahead a lot of times, and we're able to identify like spots in the schedule that we think are are critical. Spots in the schedule, big things. I mean, you go back to the beginning of the year and we looked at it and said, "Hey, look, the Phillies are going to have a, a, a tough road to hoe in May, and then there's a tough stretch in June as well. Later in June, and they they came through them. And we never really looked at July as as a real challenging month because we looked at the Padres, you know, uh, after the All Star break, it's like, okay, that's going to be a good a good series. And the Brewers are the Brewers, but beyond that, it it didn't really look exciting. Well, now you come into it and you see where everybody is at this juncture in the season, and you know the Padres are playing for their season, the Brewers are trying to hang around. They're they're not, you know, they're about what they we thought they would be, and they're but they're trying to hang around. The Guardians aren't great, but that American League Central is so bad that they're right in the mix. The Orioles have been maybe the surprise team, and you know they were. They were a good team last year, but I think everybody kind of felt they were going to take a step back this year because they were playing so many young players. Um, and now a lot of people are starting to say, "Is that Orioles team good enough to go to the World Series?" And it might be. It honestly might be. And Pirates stink, but then you go run right into the Marlins again. So, like this is a this is a two and a half week stretch where you don't have a lot of easy. You don't have a lot of real hard, but you don't have a lot of easy. And so I think it's you're saying you're right by calling it weird that it's one of those stretches where the Phillies could do really well and, and, and separate themselves, or they could be lackadaisical and be like, and we're going to look back in, in, in September when they're fighting for the last playoff spot and say, what the hell were they doing in July after the All-Star
1: break? Because I think we look at August, and, and we've talked about this a little bit. They're at home almost the entire month of August. <laughs> yeah, schedule does lighten up a little bit. Some of the competitors in the National League, wildcard picture, schedules get a little bit more difficult. So we think that August is going to be the opportunity for the Phillies, but I would ask you in terms of the timing mechanism in play here, we talk about the trade deadline and to what degree does it, to what degree does this team need to prove that they're worthy of potentially significant investment from this front office going into the trade deadline? Like, let's just say that the Phillies lose a series here to the Padres lose a series to the, to the Brewers struggle a little bit with the guardians and Orioles, which none of this is impossible to think. So like, let's just say that the Phillies sort of spin their wheels here play a couple games below 500 for the next two weeks, you get up against the deadline and all of a sudden you're two, three games over 500, maybe you're two, three games back. And again, I think that this is worst case scenario. I think does that kind of change the math on how the Phillies might approach a deadline? Because I think that this team, and and this is one of the things I wanted to get to, I think this team's going to do something unexpected. You know, last year was more about, not that I thought Brandon Marsh was going to end up here, but hey, bullpen piece made sense. Back end of the rotation guy made sense. I just get this really strange feeling like there's something in the distance brewing here that is going to make people go, oh shit. Like I really do. I think something's going to happen in the next three weeks. It's going to catch people off guard. Uh, it's it's
0: quite possible, um, Bob. Uh, it's seventeen games between now and the trade deadline, and you know I think the Phillies are better than every one of the teams that they're going to play. And I, I say that you know even with the Orioles in there, right? they might be they might be on par. The Orioles, surprisingly so, but the Phillies have in my mind, still have more talent. The Orioles are young and exciting, and they're going to be good for a while. I, but I think that if you're comparing the two, the Phillies are still a little bit better. If you, don't, if you don't come through those 17 games at least over 500, at least 9 and 8, then I'm a little concerned, right? But I, I think they should be even better than that. I think you should be – you know, 10 and seven, 11 and six through these 17 games. What if they go, and if seven, are, and
1: what if they go seven and 10? Does it mean yeah. anything? Does it, what does it mean other than it makes your road harder? Yeah, it does. And it, it, so then I guess,
0: I guess, I guess the answer to that is I look, I don't think it makes a difference one way or the other, unless the, unless they completely collapse and you say, okay, pump the brakes, let's not do anything. I think that they're going to go for what they're going to go for. But I think if they have a losing record, they might be more desperate to get what they feel they need. And maybe you part with something that you otherwise wouldn't have to get what you desperately need. Right. Whereas if they're 10 and 7, 11 and 6, maybe that they go, yeah, well, we're not going to do that. And we're, we'll just, we'd rather just stay where we're at and be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it the, the only impact that could happen over the course of the next 17 days is what determining what they're willing to trade away to get what they feel they need. That's the only thing that I can think of. They're gonna make a trade or two or three, they're gonna bring players in. This this team's gonna look a little bit different come August 1st, uh, as they make a push for the playoffs and, and hopefully to another late October run. Um I just don't know how much they'll push. I think these next 17 games will determine that.
1: Okay. Uh, speaking of the team looking a little bit different, I'm sure you've probably seen there are some some Twitter uh, rumors, Twitter reports even. Uh, and and some of these reports have been kind of corroborated by people that you'd say they, they might know something. Johan Rojas, uh, yeah, might be getting called up. And as we're recording this, it's early Friday. Uh, that's not official, but we do know that the the Phillies put Josh Harrison on the IL. Uh, yeah. and Johan Rojas is an is an outfielder, and Josh Harrison's a infielder. Well, he, he, I guess he's both. It's it's not a. It doesn't make a ton of sense, and it's a little bit surprising. But I guess let's just talk about this under the assumption that these reports are true that Johan Rojas a 22 year old who is hitting 306 this season with 845 OPS nine homers 30 steals 34 total extra base hits I mean he's an intriguing prospect um what do you make of this and and um you a little bit surprised by it well I'm a little bit surprised
0: in the sense that the reward that they're bringing him up now um they're rewarding a, a uh, prospect who is doing a good job and, and deservedly so. I mean, that's, that's you prove that you deserve a shot, you should get a shot. I think that the more telling thing here is Bryce Harper's going to play first base.
1: Is Bryce Harper playing first base tonight?
0: I originally thought maybe tomorrow, but yeah, yeah I guess it's yeah. possible. Because the, if, if, in fact, Rojas is the call-up, and you're calling up another outfielder, that means Schwarber's gonna DH. Right. Even if even if Rojas isn't playing, you are you're probably playing Pache and Marsh in the outfield, and you know, Rojas is there off the bench. Rojas maybe starts one of the two doubleheaders tomorrow, one of the two games. The yeah, game like tomorrow. I can't imagine
1: Johan Rojas right, right. coming up here today and taking his first major league at bats against you, Darvish. That right feels right. unlikely. Now, I think they get Snell tomorrow. So, perhaps... There's a possibility that, you play Rojas, Rojas
0: and Pache in the outfield. And I, I
1: do want to just throw the the little disclaimer on this, that this is unofficial, and we may sound like idiots if this isn't actually true. Uh, so, I don't want to take up a, a massive block talking about this, but you're right. It would indicate that Harper's probably going to first base. Uh, what, what do you think you're moving forward? So, I, I think where I actually wanted to push this is... The initial thought is that he probably will not be up here for very long, uh, that this might just be a a kind of a quick stop. Johan Rojas is not the Phillies' 27th best prospect. He's a top five, top six guy, and he sort of pushed himself into that picture. I do kind of wonder, is there any scenario here where I know the whole city's in love with Christian Pache, and if it were not for him, the Phillies probably would have been swept in Miami last weekend. He's done a great job. We know how good of a defender he is. And for that reason, we know he's going to play, but are, are we really – is there any world where you'd rather see Johan Rojas take more back than Christian Pache over, let's just say, the next 10 days?
0: No. No, I, and I say that because you're trying to win, make the playoffs. Now this is we're in playoff mode at this point. It's no longer tooling around the beginning of the year. And I understand maybe you're maybe you're thinking Rojas, you get him up, get him a, get him a few at bats at the major league level, show he doesn't look completely overmatched. Show him, you know, use him as a pinch runner, have him steal bases. Flash that speed so that, uh, you know other teams can see it. Maybe get in the outfield as a defensive replacement or something, and 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 you know play some outfield a little bit. So oh man, kid's got some. Good, he's a pretty good outfielder as well. Because I think Johan Rojas, as exciting as he is and as a prospect, and you maybe you don't want to officially move on from him. But I looked at what the Phillies also did in the draft this this the other day, and I think that there's some correlation here, Bob. They drafted a bunch of outfielders. I don't even notice that. I was, I, I was looking at him I was like, they really went heavy on outfield in this draft. Do you maybe think that since you have depth at the outfield position down the prospect pipeline, that you just want to show that Rojas doesn't look overmatched in the majors and he's one of the key pieces that you're moving come the trade deadline?
1: It's possible. I mean, if you just look, and, and not that the... – MLB pipeline is gospel by any stretch, but of their top 10 prospects at the moment, uh, five of them are outfielders. Yeah. So I think that that at least gives some credence to what you're talking about here. And then when you backfill with more more draft capital placed on the outfield, there's – here you go, bold prediction, right, off of what you just said. They're going to move one of these outfield prospects ahead of the deadline. I don't know—is it Johan Rojas? I don't know, but it, it could it be the the Musiades of the world. Maybe it's Carlos De La Cruz. You know, the, those are. There's probably one of these guys is is not going to be here, right? So, you know, are they bringing him up to showcase him? I don't. I don't think that that's the exact reason, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if that's not an added benefit. to Well, to, I think, I don't necessarily think it's, it's to showcase him. I think
0: it's, they need to know for themselves. Right. More th- f- first and foremost. I mean, it's not about, you know, Hey, other teams watch this guy play at the major league level. It's more, it's more about, let's make sure that we're right on right. this guy that we think that this is, this is a guy who could play at that level, you know, and then it's, you know, And then you make that decision. Is he the one we want to move uh, in a trade? Or does he impress you so much you sit there and go, eh, maybe not. Maybe we maybe we hold on to this one and move other outfield prospects instead. Um, so, I, you know, there's, there's that. I mean, there's that, you know. I think it's an interesting decision for sure. The, the, you know, the easy thing could have been you could have called up Cody Clements. Yeah. Who plays the same positions as Josh Harrison. Right. I mean, you could, you know, and they said they were sending him down. If you remember, we discussed this, you know, when, when he got sent down and Derek Hall got called up, Rob Thompson said, Oh, he's going down to play some second, some third, some left. And I said to you, who else plays second, third and left field. And you said, (laughs) Josh Harrison. So like, I thought that that would be the easy call up. Right. So the fact that they, and again, this is not just to reiterate, it's not official, but if in fact it's Rojas, that's where the surprise is, is it's like, okay. Well, why, why this guy? Why now? And I, you got to try and find multiple reasons. And I think that what we're discussing is a couple of them, right? I mean, these are, these are a couple of the reasons you would do this at this point.
1: Derek Hall is not going to be on this team in 17 days. Oh, no, he's not. No. I mean, we've no. talked about this previously. Uh, just as I'm listening to you talk through this, I'm like, there's just no, there's no place. If Harper, especially if Harper sticks at first base. You know, maybe yeah. maybe he gets out there in the first five games. You say this isn't going to work. I don't think that's what's going to happen here. So you come back tonight, fireworks night, right off the, right off the get here. Uh, and he might he might actually, Bob, Derek Hall could be your DH tonight. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened tonight. Maybe uh, only because I mean, again, it's Darvish. Because you so want to you want to double be- on the lefties, you know, with with right. Do you want
0: do you want to do you want to expose Pache to Darvish, like even even though he's been good for you so far, it is it has been primarily against left-handed pitching. Do you want to go out there and say, okay, well we're just we're going to throw Pache out there. Let's give Hall a game at DH. Schwarber can play one more game in left field, and then we'll worry about. You, usually, I slant
1: offense, and I, I say yes. You you have to optimize for offense, especially the way that this team struggles to score runs sometimes. But I would actually maybe even flip the argument, and say maybe I want Pache out there because they're not going to hit, and because I've seen one rung kill this team defensively again and again and again. And yeah. let's let's just get this going. You know, this is this is what it's going to be. Let's go do it. I see I, I see both schools of thought, but I I would not be surprised if both Hall and Schwarber were in the lineup tonight. I guess that, that would not blow me away. Uh, I know that we're working uh, with not much time here. Uh, we have about seven minutes left in total. So yeah. we had to do a little bit of a shorter show scheduling conflicts with Anthony and myself. We'll be back to our normal schedule next week. So, Let me just get right to this here. A couple quick things that I want to hit on. I mentioned this earlier. Since June 1st, the Phillies have the best team ERA in all of baseball, 3.16. The next closest team is the Padres. And it's like, I think they're at about three and a half runs per game. The Phillies are also 15th in baseball this season in runs per game, 4.51 runs per game this season. Right now, FanGraphs gives the Phillies a 55% chance to make the playoffs. Baseball Reference only gives the Phillies a 45% chance to make the postseason, which I find to be low, but I get it when you talk about the volume of teams involved here. I'll I'll just get right to the point. How many games are the Phillies going to win this season, and are they making the playoffs? And I think I know the answer to the second question from you, but how is this going to shake
0: out? I still think that they're a 90 win team, Bob, and I and I really because I look at August and I just I can't see them faltering against that schedule. I mean, there's nothing in that schedule that that really jumps out to you and goes, "Oh man, yeah, that's a tough stretch." I mean, yeah, a couple games against the Marlins at the beginning and a couple games against the Blue Jays, who are a tough opponent, Giants. But I think that that's in the middle of a brutal stretch for the Giants, and I I, I think it's just you know I don't they may not be even. They may fall out of contention at that point, right? I mean, it's just—I I think that they're going to. The Phillies are going to just pull away at that at that juncture. Um, so yeah, I mean, with that said, I think they can get to ninety, and I think that they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, but it could—it could just as easily with this team, as we've seen throughout the first part of this year, be a little bit up and down because that's the way they are. Right. But man, if you're if you're improving your team at the trade deadline and you're adding pieces, and then the team goes into that schedule, I don't I I don't see how it I don't see how you struggle.
1: So to to so get to ninety wins, the Phillies, I believe, would have to go forty-two and thirty-one down the stretch. If my math is yeah. correct, yeah. So eleven games over five hundred here over the last two and a half months, and okay, and I assume that that's under the. Under the premise that they will add a difference-making offensive piece, is is that correct? Or do you think that this team with just a back-of-the-rotation tweak and maybe one more bullpen arm can be a 90-win team?
0: I, I do think they're going to try and add uh, uh, something in the lineup. I really do. I, I, I think that there's – that's the whole premise here. I try right? to be
1: a little bit cute sometimes and get like a slow build up and be like, okay, let me lead you into a question. I, I Just because we're pressed for time, let me get right to it. Any shot Alec Boehm's not here in three weeks? Wow. Wow. Because well, let, uh. let me just give you a very brief rationale, maybe in 15 seconds. The Phillies might have to give something to get something. Sure, they can go into the minor league system here, and, and they will. I'm sure they will to some degree have to do that. But when you look at tradable pieces on the major league roster that, that are actually going to maybe net you some type of return, you have to look at the contracts. You have to look at some upside. And there's really not many players that fit the profile of, hey, we're going to move them. They're not moving Bryson Stott. But do you look at the four years now that we've seen Alec Bohm or parts of four years that we've seen Alec Boehm? Say, Good player probably isn't what we want him to be. If we got the right package for him and we could add a difference-making corner infielder, somebody that plays third, yeah, maybe. I, I've seen a lot of Arenado Bohm discourse. I don't think Arenado's realistic. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but could could that be a thing?
0: I mean, anything could be a thing. I, I don't see it, Bob. I think Boom does a lot well. I think it's. I think he's. I think it's an underrated. I think he's an underrated player in a lot of ways. I think he's vastly improved his infield defense. I mean, big time. Um, he hasn't shown the power that you would hope for, but he does still hit for average. He is very good with runners and scoring position in clutch situations. He has a nice approach at the plate. Like to me, I think he's he he's a guy that you still think that there's development and can be what you expected him to be. And so I don't. I don't. I, I agree I don't, with I don't, you, I don't and, and I'm
1: not saying like let's trade Alec or that he's not good enough to be here. But I think that for the reasons you just said, is what makes him a potentially intriguing trade piece because there is he does a lot of things well in the current in the present, but there might be more upside, and a team might look at that plus the cost and say we want this guy, and and could you have an interesting conversation that maybe provides a little bit more upside here for the remainder of this. Season and, and maybe one more season beyond it. That's that's the reason why I bring it up. Not because I'm I'm dying to get him out of here. It's not an indictment of him as a player. I just think that he has some value right now.
0: Yeah, he probably does. He probably has that value. Uh,
1: sure. All right. So listen, uh, I know we're we're you're really hard up against it here. Um, do you want to hit a one last thing? I do.
0: Um, and I just want to throw this at you, just because I mean, there was an uh, Alex Coffee did a nice story in the Enquirer. Um, but just wanted to kind of throw it in because it kind of ties into, uh, what we're discussing as far as, you know, what's approaching at the, at the trade deadline, the Clearwater Threshers are the best team in minor league baseball. And it's rare to say that about anything Phillies related with the minor <laughs> leagues. But if you look at they're what, 55 and 25 or something like that so far this season, um, I know that they do the split season. They do first half, second half, but they've just been rolling through uh, the, the Florida state league and guys down there that are just putting up great numbers like Justin Crawford and, um, and uh, that kid, uh, Gabriel Rincones, who we saw a little bit of in in spring training. Um, You know, these guys down there are just doing, doing their thing and doing it well. And it really, I just want to just point it out, man. Like, There's something to be excited about for the Phillies for the future with some of these players. But if nothing else, a lot of times these trades at the trade deadline, you don't always have to trade a a guy who's in AAA, ready to come up, you know, that top prospect. Teams will look at some of the players down on these single A teams and know that, hey, they'll get here within two years that's just as valuable, if not even more valuable, of a player or a piece that we like that can come back in a trade. I, I, I think that the, the Clearwater Threshers having the year that they're having and and the players playing so well down there, it bodes well for the future of the Phillies down the road, but I think it also bodes well for the immediate future of the Phillies in that it gives them even more talent to trade at the trade deadline if you feel that, that you need to get that big piece to come in get your team over the hump
1: totally agree all right well listen for Anthony Sanfilippo I'm Bob Wankel we will be back on Monday after this four game series against the San Diego Padres we'll break it all down we'll look a little bit closer at the trade deadline see where everything's at four days from now three days from now whatever it ends up being and we will talk to you soon make sure that you're following us on YouTube uh Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your shows. And then, of course, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at ANSANPhilly. You can follow the show on Twitter at UPPhilly's. And you can follow me at CB. And we'll talk to you next week.